0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the big show this is the program this is your host the most hapsy baby boy and this is episode number 50 of the astound broadcasting project that we have come to know as the project earth shattering things here folks big shout out to the boys at vincenzo's flooring and tanner's tiles Had the boys in here with the hot mops, throwing a little bit of that asphalt around, getting the studio well fit to be, you know, broadcasting a show of this stature. You need to have the right facilities, and that's what we have here. You want them to come take a look at your next project, call them at the landline 403-919-3055. Get you consorted with your own, if you will. Folks, episode number 50, what a landmark. It's the half-century mark of this program, the program, if you will, and it's come a long way. We've um, accomplished a lot of things, and um, we've brought joy to listeners across this earth, possibly even further, and um, it's just, again, such an honor to be able to do this. It obviously takes a lot of investigation a lot of uh, journalistic integrity to bring forward a show of this stature, but that's what we're going to continue doing here. We are all committed to doing so, not just myself included, uh, but the the team I've picked up that's working with me, Ricardo and the boys up there in research and management, uh, they work hard, they work tirelessly to make this all happen. And um, if you hear any sort of uh, noises in the background like that, that's actually just my dickhead roommates who don't respect the art of um, broadcast, we'll call it. Um, and they don't really get it, okay? But it's episode number 50, people. And again, as you know, this is obviously a show of the numbers. It's a statistical advantage to follow them, as we've um, we've said again, time and time again on this program. But number 50, not really a hockey number, but the, the first one that comes to mind, this is the one that NH- the NHL put out with their numbers the most honorable people to wear the numbers 1 to 99. I think they have it on their website there. But the man that comes up in question, and I actually thought about this when I first thought about, who am I going to talk about for number 50 for the NHL? And uh, basically the only one I could really think about was Chris Mason, goaltender from Red Deer, Alberta, 45 years of age. A, 90, a 1976, April 20th, he was born. A fifth-round pick to the New Jersey Devils in the 1995 NHL entry draft. <clears throat> he was a member of the Prince George Cougars. Played 158 WHL games. Says he had a career 3.62 goals against average and a 900 save percentage during his junior days. But uh, you got to think those stats are probably completely fucked. Because I'm sure they didn't. were keeping them too tight in the '90s in the in the dub. But he uh, played 12 years in the NHL, 317 games, with a record of 137, 113, and 32. 32. I wonder if that means overtime losses or ties, because he did play before the 04-05 lockout. I wonder how they um, differentiate that. Uh, with all the, the the rule changes that came after that lockout in 0405 would be interesting to know, wouldn't it? He also had 23 shutouts in the NHL with the 266 goals against average and a 909 save percentage with uh, nine playoff games played with a 293 and 907, a 1 and eight playoff record though. Really impressed with the 137 and 13 record in the regular season over a 12 year career, that's great. The one and eight playoff record, that's tough, but uh, it's hard to win in the playoffs. And um, yeah, this guy was, a—I mean, he was a stalwart in NHL lineups for better part of a decade. And um, definitely a guy I remember watching a lot growing up. Remember when he played for, uh, basically Nashville is the first one I think of. I think he played for the Jets too for a bit. But I'm not going to go back and look it up, okay? But that's who we think of. Number 50, we think of Chris Mason when it comes to the NHL. Um, As far as uh, the next couple guys mentioned, not a whole lot of personal uh, history with any of these guys. But these are who comes to mind when you think of number 50 for the NBA. That is a man that goes by the name of David Robinson. There really wasn't much competition with the number 50, even though there, there have been 106 players to wear that number in the NBA. David Robinson was simply the best player to don the jersey. In his career, he averaged 21.1 points, 10.6 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.5, 1.4 steals, 3 blocks on 51.8% shooting, and 73.6% from the free throw line. He has a Rookie of the Year Award, Defensive Player of the Year Award, an MVP award, and was a member of two championship teams. Yeah, not a bad career for number 50, David Robinson. Um, For the MLB, we have for number 50, the best to ever wear it. That was... um, not a very popular number in the MLB, it seems, but the former New York Mets pitcher Sid Fernandez, he will get the nod, as we will call it. Fernandez was an integral part of the Mets pitching staff in 1986 when they captured the World Series title. Fernandez was 16-6 and that season with a 3.52 ERA and 31 starts. Fernandez posted solid numbers for the Mets in his 10 seasons there, finishing with a record of 98-78 and with a 3.14 ERA. I've been doing a little bit of uh, baseball history research And it's very fascinating how good the Mets were in the 80s. The Mets were a fucking dynasty. And then it kind of just turned back in the 90s to where the the Yankees were just dominant again for that whole, basically not the whole 90s, but a good chunk of it going on into the 2000s. What a time to be a New York baseball fan. It would just be like expected that there's going to be at least one nasty team in NYC. That's going to be bringing some fucking MLB hardware home. Kind of crazy, very fascinating. Something if you might want to look into if you're a little bit of a baseball aficionado. <laughs> Shut up. All right. When it comes to the NFL, we have number 50, Mike Singletary. He was a linebacker with the Chicago Bears from 1981 to 1992. Not sure if he played his whole time with the Bears but uh, his career was 81-92. He was one of the most underrated defensive players in history. Mike Singletary was named the league's defensive player of the year in both 1985 and 1988. He finished first or second on the Bears in tackles each of his final 11 seasons. He missed just two games during his career and was probably the best player for the Super Bowl champion 1985. Chicago Bears. There you have it. Mike Singletary, folks. Can we get a little bit of a round of a motherfucking applause? All right? Come on. Um, Not much going on here, folks. It's, uh, it's Monday. It's 741 on November 22nd. And I actually didn't get uh, an episode out last week. That's my bad. I ended up not doing one. And then I was going to record one on a Thursday night, but I had a game Friday and Saturday. And I just didn't feel like it. It just wasn't... I'm kind of those guys, you know, it's like to lay low on game night, you know, play it cool, maybe chill out, watch a movie, been a big movie guy lately, crushing a lot. And I just I didn't have it. and I didn't make it. And I'm sorry, but I apologize for you. Maybe I'll pump two out this week. I'm feeling a little bit crazy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I actually uh, got a dog a couple weeks ago. I did not get a dog. My girlfriend literally called me and Facetime me and there was a dog in her lap and she was on her way home from the breeders. That's how I found out I got a dog. But it was something that we were talking about for a couple days. So I got a Bernadoodle named Yogi. I didn't even know what a Bernadoodle was um, when my girlfriend told me that was the kind of dog. I'd never heard of it. I'm not one that knows a lot about dog species. I love dogs. I had a Golden Retriever growing up though. So like, I mean, the, the typical Lab, Rottweiler, Golden Retriever, like those ones that you can look at and you know what they are right away. I know those dog species, but some people are just fucking yelling out names and i just swear to god it's gibberish from a different language because i don't even know what they mean but a doodle, um kind of like that I, I wasn't really involved in the uh decision process because i'm a very indecisive person like i'll go to the grocery store and pick up like a bag of uncle ben's microwave rice and i'll like I'll walk back to the same shelf three different times to compare different flavors. Like maybe I want something, maybe the ingredients aren't as pure as I need. So I could imagine myself with the decision-making of purchasing an actual living animal wouldn't have been that fucking great. So pretty cool though, to be a dog, to have a dog, to be a dog owner. But, um, I gotta be honest. There's a lot of things that I'm going to lay down right now as a dog owner that I just, I promise just not to do. I really I really want to try my best to, re- to refer from calling like if I don't want ever want my girlfriend to be like there's dad like when I walk into the room speaking to the dog like calling me dad like for the dog don't do that when, when people do that it makes me want to throw up on my fucking feet and slip in it it's disgusting it makes me it makes my skin crawl dad here's mummy and daddy oh dad's mad shut up. I'm fucking mad when you talk like that. Not you don't worry about your dog. I'm pissed. All right? So there won't be any of that, but I'm excited, man, to have a dog like I I do really like going out for walks and just sometimes I feel like you just don't it's nice it's a nice beautiful way to start your morning. And I've kind of got that in my routine. Sometimes take your coffee, grab a 15-minute podcast, go for a kilometer walk around the block even. Just get the blood flowing. I enjoy that. But it's hard to stay consistent sometimes. But when you have a fucking dog that's got to go piss, shit, throw up, puke, fuck, you have to let it out for a little bit of a, a tail wag, if you will. So then you're forced to get outside, forced to walk a little more. And I'm, in, I'm interested in that. I want to take him on some adventures, some hikes, I hope he's an active young lad because I'm really excited to fucking make some things happen. Um, I really promise also not to just put, you can't be putting, you don't be putting too much shit about your dog on social media. I fucking love dogs. I love them so much. And when I'm with you and I'm in your your presence and your dog's there, I'm going to give your dog so much attention. We're going to have a fucking great time with your dog and I want to hear about it. But when it comes to the social media, some people fucking, they ramp it up a little too hard. Like it gets, it's, it's literally like, it's like a common item. Like everyone has a fucking dog. Like, like pull the reins in a bit with all the fucking, the posts, the Instagram pages, all that shit. Do not make an Instagram for your dog. My sister made an Instagram for my dog. Followed me on it. I refuse to follow her back because I don't stand for that sort of conduct. I think it's fucking, it's gross. It disgusts me. But I'm very happy to be a dog owner. It's going to be sick, man. It's going to be sick. And this having a dog is nice, you know, you just like you're alone, but you're not alone. You know, you have that companionship, just the thought of someone that cares about you by your side and to provide for an animal as such. I'm excited. It's going to be kind of crazy. I I still don't really feel like I have a dog because I I haven't met the young feller yet. Yogi is the name that we've chosen in honor of the great Yogi Berra, the tremendous Yankee catcher. And he kind of, he has a little black and white thing going on. He's black dog, but he's got a little white patch on his chest, a little bit of white on his nose. So he's kind of got the pinstripe thing going with the Yankee, the black and white. So you know what? It makes a lot of sense, really, when you think about it. I was really, I really wanted Jerry. I was pushing hard for Jerry, but my girlfriend wasn't having any of that, really. I wanted Jerry. I thought that'd be hilarious. Like, imagine you fucking are, no one's ever met your dog yet. You don't even know you have one. <clears throat> You're in the living room. You're like, hey, Jerry. Jerry, get the fuck out of the kitchen. Like, that'd be hilarious. Just screaming and you have like a, a, just a normal fucking human name like that. I just, I'm a big fan of the human names for for dogs and pets in general. But my girlfriend was set on Yogi. and I got to say, I kind of like it. It's kind of out there. And then again, I told you about being indecisive this way. I was, I was really taken away from that decision. Okay. So then the decision didn't have to be made. All right, folks, we're just going to keep the things rolling here. We were just talking about uh, dogs this kind of just got me thinking in the back of my head. We're talking about posting too much of your dogs. You know what I've been seeing a real fucking ton of a lot lately is candid photos. Like the ones on Instagram, the Facebook, the couple's pics, the pics with the girls and their friends when they're not looking. And it's kind of like it's supposed to be like they caught caught laughing. Maybe they got caught in like a a celebratory cheers kind of a thing. Like, shit that you know is just not happening. And if it is happening, who's the fucking weirdo walking around capturing these moments and not just enjoying them? You know what I'm saying? That always fucking just infuriates me. And I really do... I just truly believe that. It's without people... People don't want to admit it or not. It's people that are just... I don't know if they don't think they're photogenic. They're just not comfortable posting that picture where they're posing for it. Like, what's wrong with just smiling? Like, I used to be so... Embarrassed to smile in photos. And like every photo taken of me prior to like 21, I look like the biggest dipshit. I'm just, you know, like, you know when you're not smiling, but you're not straight faced. So you have this weird, like, smirk, like you just tried to hold a fucking shit in or something. And you just look like an absolute clown. I did that until I was like 21 and I realized I looked like a fucking asshole. And I had to change, I had to change some things up. Like, I just don't, I'm not saying every picture has to be the same, but like, just fucking look at the camera and give it a nice smile. No one caught you on a boomerang laughing with your girls in the patio to the sunset of your fucking average apartment. You know what I'm saying? No one did, no one did that. No one asked for that. No one needs that. So lock it the fuck up, okay? I don't, I do not need to hear it, all right? November 22nd, it was actually, um, I heard this on the radio today, and uh, November 22nd is the day that the 35th President of the United States, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, was assassinated while traveling through Dallas, Texas in an open-top convertible. First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy rarely accompanied her husband on political outings, but she was beside him along with Texas Governor John Connolly and his wife for a 10-mile motorcade through the streets of downtown Dallas on November 22nd. I'm sure that this changed everything at the moment, but I just can't imagine now with things being the way they are, like a leader, first of all, getting shot and assassinated. Like the, I, I just, I know that this did happen and this is fucking crazy, but I could not be imagine being alive when like the, the leader of the mayor of the U S was shot dead in Dallas. Like it's fucking crazy. A 10 mile ride too, with no, like they're just driving a convertible. I can imagine that was the day any world leader or any person of any worth to, I guess, need protection. That was the last fucking day they did that. I can guarantee you that. Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald allegedly fired three shots from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository building. Fatally wounding President Kennedy and seriously injuring Governor Connolly Kennedy was pronounced dead 30 minutes later at Dallas's Parkland Hospital. he was only 46 years old. That's crazy did you fucking imagine that happening I want and they say that I don't think that that guy did it you know they, there's a lot of documentaries on it it just kind of got weirdly swept under the rug. I don't know enough about American history and politics to know what was going on. Like if John F. Kennedy was into some stuff that he shouldn't have been. And I don't even know why he was assassinated. I just thought that was, you know, that's today was the th- anniversary of that happening in 1963. So coming up on almost fucking what? What's that? Almost 60 years, 58 years ago, I believe that was. Crazy. That's not even that long ago. And this guy just got shot in the fucking head, driving around a parade. Fucking craziness so rest in peace jfk on the anniversary of this tragic event crazy crazy fuckingness. another kind of crazy event that i just kind of caught wind of this was actually kind of craziness so on october 2nd 2018 jamal i'm going to say this name so wrong Khashoggi a US-based journalist and critic of Saudi Arabia's government walked in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul where he was murdered in the months that followed conflicting narratives emerged over how he died what happened to his remains and who was responsible Saudi officials said the journalist was killed in a rogue operation by a team of agents sent to persuade him to return to the kingdom while Turkish officials said the agents acted on orders from the highest levels of the Saudi government. So who the hell was Jamal Khashoggi? He was a prominent Saudi journalist. He covered major stories including the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, the rise of the late Al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden and and he worked for various Saudi news organizations and for decades the 59 year old was close to the Saudi royal family and also served as an advisor to the government. But he fell out of favor and went into self-imposed exile in in the US in 2017. From there, he wrote a monthly column in the Washington Post in which he criticized the policies of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. I'm saying that wrong too, probably. The son of King Salman and Saudi Arabia's de facto ruler. In his first column for the Post in September 2017, Khashoggi said that he feared being arrested in an apparent crackdown on dissent overseen by the Prince. So, yeah, apparently he visited the consulate in Istanbul on 28th of September 2018 to obtain a Saudi document stating that he was divorced so that he could marry his Turkish fiance. But he was told he'd have to return to pick up the document arranged and that he had to come back on the 2nd of October, the day he was murdered. And he did not believe that something bad would happen on Turkish soil. But uh, his wife is now... I don't really know what happened in the lieu of this because this happened in 2018. I'm assuming this was big news at the time, but now this has kind of changed. This is what caught me. The fiance of Jamal Khashoggi, who is a critic of the kingdom, who was killed by the Saudi agents, as we mentioned, says that that Justin Bieber has to cancel his Saudi Arabian concert. So pop star Justin Bieber is facing growing calls to cancel his concert in Saudi Arabia next month as the fiance of slain Saudi critic Jamal Khashoggi joined a chorus of voices on Sunday urging him not to perform at the Kingdom's Formula One race. So in an open letter that was published by the Washington Post, Hatis Sengiz, which is the, the wife, the widow, I should say, of Khashoggi, urged the Canadian megastar to cancel his December 5th performance in the Red Sea city of Jeddah, to send a powerful message to the world that his name and his talent will not be used to restore the reputation of a regime that kills its critics. Bieber's concert is a, the most headline-grabbing performance scheduled for the race, though the other un- F1 concert performers include rapper ASAP Rocky, DJ's David Gadgeta. G- G- and Tiesta, and singer Jason Derulo. So this is not the first time a pop star has been pressured to pull out of a concert in Saudi Arabia. Mariah Carey was the biggest name performer to hit the stage in Saudi Arabia after Khashoggi's killing by Saudi agents in Turkey in October 2018, but she brushed off calls to boycott the show because the show must go on for fucking Mariah. You think Mariah Carey was turning down a paycheck? Fuck, she probably didn't even know that this she didn't even care. She just wanted some fucking money, brother. But I guess in 2019, though Nicki Minaj for the same public from the same public pressure did cancel her appearance on stage, but she said at the time that she wanted to show support for women's rights, gay rights, and the freedom of expression. Fucking crazy. Khashoggi's stunning killing in 2018 was carried out by members of a team of 15 Saudi government agents who had been sent to Istanbul where the writer and former government spokesman had an appointment had an appointment at the Saudi consulate for documents needed to marry she she waited for his his widow I guess waited outside for 10 hours but he never was he never never came out came back and just never came out body has never been found obviously creating lots of international Backlash. The uh, Saudi higher ups claim no responsibility in this matter, but uh, I wonder what Justin Bieber does. Um, I, I'm looking at this article came out yesterday. Kind of, this was uh, on a lot of um, big media outlets on on Sunday when the story did break. This is Monday when I'm reporting this. I went and looked at uh, Justin's social media pages and. He hasn't mentioned anything about it. So I would, it's going to be interesting to see December 5th. That's coming up pretty fucking quick too. Will Justin Bieber cancel his fucking concert? And then if Justin Bieber cancels his concert, is he supposed to then like, is everyone else going to cancel? Is the race going to be canceled? Why is this just making the headlines now? And why am I just finding out about it in 2021? How has this not been solved yet? The world is actually a fascinating fucking place. And with really, like, I just always find it so fascinating to me that everything that we're told is told by someone else. And you know how you, like, we all retell stories. Like, you never tell exactly what happened. So, like, you're, and every time, when, by the time you and I finally fucking hear it, it's been cut, clothed, dried three different, four different, five different ways. Like, that story is quite, quite a bit different than what you have, you know. I'm assuming that it didn't, it did, the story barely stays the same perfectly every fucking time, so that's why I just find every single thing I hear nowadays, unless it's like sports related, kind of take it with a grain of salt, because you really don't fucking know what happened, there's so many fucking people involved in everything that's going on these days, like, how do I just, it's just crazy, you just, you know what, you just got to keep an open mind, because we really don't have a fucking clue what's going on in any capacity ever, you know what I'm saying? So it'll be interesting to see, does Justin Bieber shut it the fuck down? Time will tell its story. Had to go out today. I find, like, I do not do a lot of clothes shopping at all. I'm the worst. Like, I got fucking shirts in my dresser from, like, seven years ago still. I just, I rarely, if I get clothes, it's usually a gift or something from, like, a team or something got, somebody got me something for Christmas that kind of thing my girlfriend will randomly buy me clothes that's about the extent of my clothing shopping but i needed some new under armor needed some new gitch for under my hockey gear and um it's another thing like i i don't really like getting new hockey gear like i think my shin pads i got when i was like 15 like they're battered like like a strong breeze hurts my shins i wouldn't even call them shin pads anymore they're just there but i don't like getting new stuff and i don't like getting new gitch that that much either but you know it gets all ripped to the point that you're like barely even wearing anything down there you know you got to get some new stuff so I was out there today did a little bit of shopping and it's crazy how much all this fucking shit costs all this Under Armour and stuff like and I'm like I listen to this business podcast and Under Armour was pissed because they sold too much of their stock to like TJ like their uh, overstock to TJ Max and they thought that there was too much of their product being sold at too big of a discount price. So it was making their uh, brand look bad. So they wanted to get things back to normal and get things more back to the fucking shelves for full price. Like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, granted, I do, whenever I do buy something from Under Armour, you know, I do wear the shit out of it. They do make good stuff and I do, it does last a long time. But like, I ain't going to the fucking store and paying 50 bucks. For something I could possibly shit myself in. You know what I'm saying? Because that's always a legit issue. People don't realize a shart, like that can fucking approach you when you least expect it. I actually have the best shart story ever. Not to go on a tangent, and not really trying to talk about something gross on an illustrious program of this such, but this is a true story and it actually happened to me and it was fucking hysterical. I was playing uh, junior hockey with the Miramichi Timberwolves at the Maritime Hockey League, Tier 2 Junior A League over there in the Maritimes. Great fucking league, full of great fucking kids playing great fucking hockey in amazing, amazing maritime towns. But I was playing over there, and it was my 20 year old season. And I believe it was that season, would have been 2014, 2015 that St. Stephen County, the St. Stephen County Aces, based out of St. Stephen's, New Brunswick, were added to the MHL, they were a brand new team, they had a really nice, cool rink, and um, I think it was the first time that I'd ever played there, so it was a big, big deal to be there, they had a bunch of fans that year, they had a nice little full bowl arena, probably held like 2,500 if it was jammed, perfect little size for Junior A hockey, and um, it was a big deal to be there. We were all excited, and, you know, it was kind of cool. I played in the league before, so coming into the season, there's a new team. Like it's just exciting, you know. You go there, it's kind of cool. And um, anyway, so we're there, and um, I remember I'm, I'm on the starting line. So, you know, you, you're out there for the anthem, the five of you, the goalie's in his crease, you know, you're standing on the blue line, you got your bucket off, you're fucking a beauty, you know, you're, some guys are rocking back and forth. I prefer to stare at the flag and try not to blink once. That's what I always do during the anthem. Every time I play a game, I stare at the anthem. If the American anthem's playing, I stare at the American flag, and I usually wonder what star on the flag is the state that I'm in. That's what I think of when I'm looking at the American flag. Like there's 50 stars for the 50 states, but do those stars represent certain states? Is there a certain state for each star or do the 50 stars just mean the 50 states in general? They don't have a representative star for each given state. I'm just spitballing here, but that's something that crosses my mind quite regularly and something that a simple Google search probably could have uh, found the bottom of it. Probably could have got to the answer. But anyways, so I'm there at the Anthem. I'm in St. Stephen's, New Brunswick. I'm playing for the Miramichi Timberwolves. We're on the road. We're hungry to take down this new opponent, this new team in front of their fucking jam-packed, sick, brand-new barn. And anyways, so Anthem's over. Buckets are back on. Maybe a quick smelling salt and a dash of water by the bench. And it's time for the opening face-off. And I'm fucking... I'm leaning down. I'm getting in my hockey stance. You know, the classic. Right before the puck goes... And in my head, I'm like, oh, I kind of got a fart. And I was like, I didn't have to. Like, I could tell it was coming, but I didn't have to yet. So then I was like, well, fuck. Like, I better push it out. Like, I better get it out now. The puck's about to drop in mere seconds. Like, I don't want to be ripping ass mid-play. I'd rather rip the ass and then play. You know what I mean? (laughs) so to speak. So anyways, I basically bite my lip, and I just fucking push as hard as I can. But I end up pushing out a lot more than I bargained for, and I, like, straight up, like, shit my pants. Like, not full-blown, like, log shit. Like, splat. Like, a shart. Like, a hearty shart, though. Like, felt like a can of Campbell's Chunky was in the pants. Like, half the can, maybe. Like, wasn't good. But the second I did this, the puck dropped. And the fucking... And we, like... The game was on. And I had just shit my pants. And I didn't know what to do. Like, for some reason, it didn't... dawn on me for a second that maybe I should get the fuck off the ice instead I just was like a wall I'll play the shift so I play the shift and I don't really remember touching the puck or anything but I remember the the, the they won the draw and the puck kind of came back over their blue line and they didn't go all the way back into their zone but they kind of regrouped and then they were coming up trying to come over the red line and I stepped up on a guy and absolutely fucking smashed him like I got a nice big hit with poo pants like this guy is walking around the streets to this day don't know if he still plays hockey don't know who the fuck he is don't know where he's at but he has no idea that he literally got shit on basically once like I had shit pants and I ran him the fuck over I shit on him basically I had fucking dump in my pants and so I, I do remember that got a big hit and I come off the ice for at the end of the shift, 45, 60 seconds, probably, whatever it is. And like the tunnel to our dressing room was like right after the door. And I didn't even like hit the brakes, didn't even tap the brakes for a second when I was coming into the, to the bench. I just kept going and I went right down the hallway, right into our change room, right into the bathroom to empty out my pants. And I literally had to like get in there and quite literally empty out my pants. And then I just had to let my... Gitch, soak that up. To which I pulled the same gitch on without even pulling them off my body. I just kind of like pulled them down to my knees and emptied my pants quite literally. And then I just went back to the game. Like my trainer came running into the bathroom, thinks I'm hurt, probably thinks I'm fucking up to something. And there, looking at myself in the mirror, he comes in. He's like, Harps, you okay? And I'm like, No, I'm good. I'm good, Osh. I just shit my pants though. So give me a sec. And he, I could see like. He didn't think it was funny. I think he just literally thought I was hurt, and that was such a shock to him. I could just see the look of confusion on his face, and he just did a 180 and walked out of the room. But I do remember that uh, we came out of that game, and um, we fucking, um, I, I played the rest of it with my fucking shitty pants, and it, and it all went well. So um, basically, I'm just saying the importance of Gitch is immense. You got to have good Gitch because you could shit your pants, and you want your gitch to wear that correctly. You know what I mean? And like, gitch is such a, when I say the term gitch, I'm meaning like, you don't want to call it Under Armour, because that's a brand, you know what I mean? So gitch is like what you wear under your athletic wear, under your uh, athletic gear, pads, your hockey shit, whatever you call it. That's what it fucking is, okay? Folks, this is episode 50. I've had a really good time doing this. I tried to bring a couple current events into the mix. I don't know. All right, I felt like I, I felt like I did that, and um, I th- I think you know that this show is based off a lot of journalistic integrity, and um, folks, I cannot reiterate how excited I am to be doing this. I'm gonna try to get some cooler guests, and uh, not that I haven't had cool ones, but I'm gonna get some sweet guests, and uh, we're gonna do a little bit of that. Okay, we don't. It's not gonna always just be me. We're gonna get some cool people in here. And please reach out if you want to make the final donations to the project's Indigenous Aid Fund. Thing just needs a few more dollars. We're going to close that out and change the fucking world, okay? Folks, this is episode 50. You're a fucking beauty. And uh, I'm Hopsy. And this is the project, And I love you, okay? Take care. We'll talk to you very soon for episode number 51, motherfucker.